This episode of the Daily 202 Podcast is brought to you by Facebook. At Facebook, we've taken critical steps to prepare for the U.S. elections. We've more than tripled our safety and security teams, implemented five-step ad verification, and launched a new voting information center. Learn more at facebook.com slash about slash elections. Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Friday, August 28th. In today's news, Hurricane Laura spares population centers, but devastates a narrow path north of the Gulf Coast. Jacob Blake is paralyzed from the waist down, but handcuffed to his hospital bed. And the University of Arizona caught a dorm's COVID outbreak before it started, thanks to poop. But first, the big idea. President Trump delivered a scathing and wholesale attack on Joe Biden and fiercely defended his stewardship of a nation buffeted by historic crises on Thursday night. In formally accepting the Republican presidential nomination for a second term from the South Lawn of the White House, Trump cast himself as an insurgent rather than the incumbent he is, railing against Biden as the embodiment of what he called the failed political class. Trump blamed the former vice president and his Democratic Party for all the nation's chronic socioeconomic problems, as well as for the anger and unrest coursing through the country today. He said this is the single most important election in the entire history of our country. Trump spoke from a red-carpeted stage adorned with American flags and bookended by massive campaign signage, with the White House's grand portico illuminated against the night sky as his backdrop. After his 70-minute speech, among the longest acceptance speeches in convention history, fireworks exploded over the National Mall. Some of the blasts spelled out the president's name, T-R-U-M-P, Trump. And as the coronavirus pandemic still rages coast to coast, an estimated 1,500 guests gathered on the South Lawn, flouting social distancing recommendations and mostly foregoing face masks, exemplifying the convention's aim to falsely portray the virus as fading away. The president offered the exclamation point after a week of dark dystopian warnings from his party that Biden is beholden to the far left. As Trump put it, a Trojan horse for socialism. Trump said Biden is not the savior of America's soul, but the destroyer of America's jobs. And if given the chance, he will be the destroyer of American greatness. Trump's eldest daughter, Ivanka, a senior White House advisor, introduced her father as a bipartisan dealmaker trying to heal the nation. Despite his nearly four-year record of partisan acrimony with Congress, a log-jammed legislative agenda, and repeated efforts to pit groups of people against each other. In his own remarks, the president declared, quote, I say very modestly that I have done more for the African-American community than any president since Abraham Lincoln. A lot of presidents, especially Lyndon Johnson, would beg to differ. The president concluded by warning that a Biden presidency would demolish the suburbs, confiscate your guns, and defund police departments across America, even though Biden has not proposed any of those policies. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar as the week comes to an end. Number one, Hurricane Laura killed at least four residents of Louisiana and left hundreds of thousands more without power. A 14-year-old girl was killed when a tree fell on her family's home during the storm. In the town of Sulphur, gas station canopies lay toppled and shredded 
tractor trailers overturned on highways and in parking lots. Restaurants are missing their windows. The hurricane destroyed everything for some residents at the Jesse James Mobile Home Park in Lake Charles, Louisiana. Our Maria Sacchetti was there when Carl Webb, 62, came back to find that half his yellow trailer was gone after one of the fiercest storms to ever barrel through this city of 78,000. He said he did not have insurance because he's on a fixed income. Many are now homeless at a time they've already been terrified because of the coronavirus. Adriana Oliver, just 33 years old, sobbed as she strode into the trailer park and saw a debris field instead. Then she saw her home wedged between two other trailers that seemed impossibly intact. Hers was destroyed, but somehow her fish tank was still there. The fish swam in the tank as if nothing was amiss. Meanwhile, at a nearby chemical plant, fire raged, pumping dark smoke, carrying chlorine gas into the sky, prompting the governor to warn residents that they should turn off their air conditioners, seal their homes, and stay indoors. It's hard if you don't have a home. Trouble began there Thursday at a biolab plant that manufactures chlorine for swimming pools and disinfectants. An unknown amount of chlorine began to decompose during the hurricane, generating heat and then igniting. And as anyone who studies World War I knows, chlorine gas is toxic and can cause blistering of the skin, burning sensations in the nose, and respiratory distress. Also in Lake Charles, local officials voted earlier this summer not to remove a 105-year-old statue honoring Confederate soldiers that has been outside the local courthouse. But the hurricane did what the politicians wouldn't. It's now destroyed. Devante Lewis, who grew up in Lake Charles and agitated for the monument's removal, called it a small blessing in a very devastating situation. Scientists say that this storm's rapid intensification is a sign of the warming climate. Laura went from a Category 1 to a Category 4 hurricane in 24 hours, one of the fastest transformations ever recorded. That's happening because of rising ocean temperatures. The speed with which these storms morph complicates both weather forecasting and emergency response. The president will visit Louisiana this weekend to inspect the damage. Number two, Jacob Blake's father in Kenosha, Wisconsin, says his 29-year-old son is handcuffed to his hospital bed despite being paralyzed from the waist down. Asked why his son was handcuffed, Blake's father replied that he's under arrest, but they don't know what the charges are. In the hospital, the younger Blake told his father he thought he could feel pain in his legs, but his dad isn't sure if that pain's actually coming from his legs. Protesters in Kenosha were arrested by officers who jumped out of an unmarked vehicle, meanwhile. A Seattle-based nonprofit group that serves food to protesters said several of its members were still in custody after law enforcement officers sprang from unmarked cars and arrested them at a gas station ahead of Wednesday night's demonstrations. The arrests were recorded by a bystander and shared widely on social media, renewing concerns about unidentified officers cracking down on demonstrations across the country. And the Kenosha sheriff once called for black shoplifters to be, quote, warehoused and kept from having children. After five young black people allegedly stole about $5,000 of clothing, sped away from police, and then crashed into a teenage driver in 2018, Kenosha County Sheriff David Beth had a harsh message. Although no one was seriously injured, the maximum sentences the suspects would face were not long enough for him. Beth, who is white, said the three men involved in the crime should be removed from society so that they could not father children. 
and he said all five suspects, whose ages ranged from 16 to 23, should go to prison for life. Although he later apologized, his inflammatory comments resurfaced as the ACLU called on Thursday for his resignation. And Vice President Pence has been uninvited from delivering a commencement speech at Wisconsin Lutheran College. He had been slated to give the address on Saturday to the Christian College in Milwaukee, less than an hour from Kenosha. The college cited escalating events as the reason a different speaker would be presented. But the decision also follows vocal opposition from alumni and current students who penned an open letter renouncing Pence's participation. Meanwhile, Trump himself dismissed the athlete protests of Blake's shooting. He said the NBA has become too political. The players in the league have decided to resume playoff games, though the three games that were scheduled for Thursday have been postponed. And the National Hockey League postponed Thursday and Friday Stanley Cup playoff games a day after it played on as every other league stopped in protest. Several NFL teams have also canceled practices as part of these protests. Number three, the University of Arizona says it caught a dorm's COVID-19 outbreak before it started thanks to studying the poop of students. The university is constantly screening the sewage from every dorm on campus, searching for any trace of the virus. The technique has worked, and it possibly prevented a sizable epidemic on campus. When a wastewater sample from one of the dorms on campus came back positive, the school quickly tested all 311 people who lived there and found two asymptomatic students who tested positive. Those students were isolated, and the outbreak was under control. Whatever works. Meanwhile, the White House just announced a deal with Abbott Labs to produce 150 million rapid tests. The $760 million agreement for these tests, which allow users to obtain results in 15 minutes from a small card, is the federal government's biggest step in the last six months in testing for the virus that has now killed nearly 180,000 Americans and infected more than 5.8 million. But a key unanswered question that remains is how the Trump administration plans to distribute these tests and ensure they reach the places where they're needed most. Separately, a team of infectious disease experts is arguing in a new analysis out today in a medical journal that the six-feet protocols we talk about so much are too rigid and based on outmoded science and observations of different viruses. Other researchers say six feet is a start, but only a start, warning that more space is almost always better, especially when you're indoors in poorly ventilated areas. Factors such as air circulation, ventilation, exposure time, crowd density, whether people are wearing masks and whether they're silent speaking, shouting, or singing are all part of assessing whether six feet is sufficient. And looking farther ahead to the vaccine, Moderna and Pfizer, the companies leading the U.S. race, disclosed that they have enrolled more than half the people needed for the 30,000-person trials that will represent the final phase of testing. But only a fifth of participants are from Black and Hispanic communities, which have been hit hardest by the virus, lagging what experts say should be the bare minimum for diversity. An online registry people can use to express interest in vaccine trials, a list of about 350,000 volunteers, has only about 10% African Americans and 10% Hispanics as of the end of this week. Leaders from both companies say they're committed to trials that reflect the people at highest risk. Scientists say that diversity matters critically for understanding how a vaccine is likely to perform when it's in the real world. Finally, Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe resigned overnight for health reasons. 
Abe told reporters that he's been struggling with his health, which began to deteriorate in mid-July, and he's ready to call the end of his leadership of the world's third largest economy. Abe has long been known to battle chronic, deeply painful ulcers. He had hoped to signal Japan's revitalization by hosting and presiding over the Olympic Games in Tokyo this summer, before the coronavirus forced officials to defer the Games until next year. The prime minister has faced criticism for his handling of the pandemic, and his support in the polls had plummeted to record lows in recent months. And that's The Daily 202 for Friday, August 28th. Thanks for listening. I'm James Holman. I'll be out next week, but my colleagues will be filling in for me. This podcast is produced by Ariel Plotnick, and our theme music is by Ted Muldoon. Until next time, stay safe. I'll talk to you soon. This episode of the Daily 202 podcast is brought to you by Facebook. At Facebook, we've taken critical steps to prepare for the U.S. elections. We've more than tripled our safety and security teams, implemented five-step ad verification, and launched a new voting information center. Learn more at facebook.com slash about slash elections.